Mini Episode 1451 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello and welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1451. I'm FDH Management Partner Rick Morris and it's a tradition in the FDH Lounge to review some of our finest guest appearances from the last 100 mini episodes. During the pandemic, we have had fewer guests relying on our outstanding and deep in-house roster, but the ones that we've had have been terrific. So while this is the shortest of these segments that we've ever done, I'm sure that you will be impressed by the quality of what our guests had to say. These are some of the best moments that we had for many episodes 1351 to 1450, ones that reinforce the reality that we really are the show where nothing is off topic. We're very fond on this show of making cross-sport analogies, and I have a long track record of doing this, so it's not entirely self-serving for me to bring up the recent book, the top 75 players in pro basketball history from myself, <laughs> Ben Shu, and Russ Cohen. Go buy the book, everybody, Amazon.com. But I was making a point in there about when you're comparing LeBron to Michael Jordan. And it's one of these things where, and I felt like Jordan was lucky in terms of when he played because, uh, you know, it was just before the internet became sort of omnipresent and everything. And uh, listen, Michael Jordan uh, flamed out in the first round a lot of times. LeBron, until this past season, never did at all in his career, never lost in the first round. And it's a thing where, and, and believe me, as somebody who lives in Cleveland, okay, uh, I, can list, I can spend all day listing you LeBron's great moments, but the moments where LeBron's teams came up short. I can list you those from the 2000s. I could be here all day. And it's not necessarily a fair comparison in terms of what we remember and we don't remember. And, and Johnny, what I find to be fascinating about Brady is he plays, his, his career basically uh, overlaps entirely uh, for the most part with LeBron. Started a little bit before and is going to end a little bit before, but basically uh, the two of them side by side. And yet with Brady, if people want to sit here and pick out any of the worst moments. There's obviously the Deflategate scandal. There's, there, you know, off-field, essentially. Uh, but it, there's games that his team's lost, but uh, no, nobody really, I think, faults him that much for the Super Bowl losses, uh, the, the sort of inexplicable losses looking back to the Giants, who basically two separate times uh, got hot for a month and then basically ran the table. Nobody certainly faults him for the loss to the Eagles in the Super Bowl because they put up a boatload of points. So, it's interesting, and it's, I have to say, commendable, Johnny, I think, for, for Brady, that uh, his failures, unlike LeBron, whose career he overlaps, you have to kind of sit here and think about them a little bit. Yeah, that's a great point. It's hard to remember when Tom Brady lost you a game. Right. Um, and when he didn't rise to the moment and at least make a game competitive. So you look at uh, two of those three Super Bowls he lost in 42. They only scored... Uh, 14 points, but he did lead the team on a what would have been 
game-winning touchdown drive that Eli Manning to David Tyree and Plexico Burris not happen. Um, and then I can't think of a better performance by a quarterback in a losing effort than throwing for over 500 yards, three touchdowns, um, which he did against the Eagles in the 2017 uh, season. Even some of these championship game losses, right? Against the Colts, we mentioned it. Um, in 2006, they beat the uh, Patriots 38-34. He scored 34 on the road, throwing to Rich Caldwell as number one. Um, against the Broncos in 2015, uh, which I don't remember, except for maybe Mahomes in the Super Bowl last year, I don't remember a quarterback getting pressured that much in a championship game. Uh, Von Miller, Derek Wolf, um, some of those guys were, DeMarcus Ware, I think, were all over him. And, uh, you know, they still made it close 2018. They had a two-point conversion that they failed on. Uh, otherwise, that would have gone into overtime as well. So it's really hard to picture a moment where he really let his team down. Same thing that is what turns out to be his last game, down 27-3. to um, They come roaring back, end up losing 30-27. to uh, the, you know, when making those sports comparisons, this might be a little controversial. I'd be interested to hear what you guys have to say. I think Brady is the perfect intersection now, especially after what he did with going to the Bucks of LeBron and Michael Jordan. I mean, he has that clutch gene, that championship pedigree that Jordan was so famous for. Um, you know, Brady actually ended up having one more championship than he did. Obviously, he didn't go undefeated in championships, but it's a one-game, you know, it's a one-game series, if you will. And then LeBron, the longevity and being able to go to a different team and really clearly be the reason that teams are very good. So I think some people uh, might take offense to that comparison, but I think it's really interesting to think about Brady as the uh, sort of intersection of those two, the two greatest NBA players of all time. As much as everybody's saying, and I think it is the marquee matchup of the Super Bowl one-on-one, Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey, I absolutely think he can take Jalen Ramsey. Uh, that That's... Uh, a, a, a matchup that I mean I wouldn't say it's necessarily in Cincinnati's favor, but it's it's one because it's asking a lot for it to be in their favor. But I think he can have his moments, and at the very least, even if he's keeping him occupied, I think T. Higgins is going to have to have a big game on the other side of the field as well, if that's going to be the case. And uh, Von Miller, and you know, it's an interesting thing. There were kind of some questions about him before he got to L.A. in terms of what he had left. This is a guy who's had some injuries and everything like that, but. I was joking the other day with a friend of mine uh, about that old, I think it's a Travis Tritt lyric. We were talking about uh, Kevin Love with my beloved Cleveland Cavaliers and seeing him thrive this year in the right situation and the right minutes that he's getting. I ain't as good as I once was. I'm as good once as I ever was. I think we're going to see that from Von Miller on Sunday. Yeah, I I honestly feel that uh, Von knows that this is a moment. This is a moment that all the doubters, all the naysayers, all the question marks of this guy's productivity and what he has left in the tank, he's going to put an exclamation point on that, and he's going to seal it. And the thing of it is, is that, you know, uh, Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. He's going to do his thing. He's going to get his. He's going to get his. Yeah. But what's going to be interesting is the fact that, and to, to circle back to what you were talking about in regards to Jamar Chase and Jalen Ramsey, that is, that's a mismatch. Jamar Jamar Chase will one on one eat him for lunch. I'm just keeping. Wow. Okay. No, I'm just I'm just keeping it real. He's going to eat him for lunch. But and and trust me, don't get the game twisted. The 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 defensive coordinator is aware of that, so they're going to bracket him. They're not going to just have him stone one on one Jalen Ramsey versus Jamar Chase. That's not going to happen. 
or they're, they're going to disguise it to make it look like that, but they're going to over the top bracket him every time, every time. Okay. Because, yeah, they, they have to. Jalen Ramsey can't cover that young man one on one. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'll, I'll be watching for that, man. That's that's a that's a heck of a prediction right there. That that's a clip and save right alongside what you said about Todd Bowles last year, and that was absolutely correct. So there's no reason uh, not to believe what you're saying there. I, I appreciate the boldness, you know, because uh, again, there's a lot of talented players out there on both sides, and uh, when you talk about the scheming, for me, what Cincinnati did in the AFC Championship game. I mean, I think people might be scratching their head a hundred years from now about that because no, if, they, if you look at, if you, I don't know, did you see the prediction that I made in regards to that game? Oh yeah, I picked, I picked Cincy. Yeah. Okay. But how and they did they, it? How? <laughs> what? I mean, the, the w- defensive adjustments went again. Listen, this Bengals defense, and I say this not in a good way. They remind me of where my Browns were a year ago when the, really the back seven was really not that great. And it was a thing where, and, and the Browns a year ago, there was only so much they could do to kind of, you know, scheme for that. And ultimately I thought that was going to be the Bengals downfall in that game to go out there and replicate what the Colts did years ago to the Patriots, come back from 18 points down at halftime and come back and win. I People will be scratching their head for decades about that with the personnel they had, how they overcame that on the road in that situation uh, I mean, that's really, uh, again, kudos to you for having made the prediction. What can you do to enlighten me and everybody else about how they were able to make those adjustments with the personnel they had against arguably the most explosive offense in the league? Well, the thing that is, is that if you notice, um, the biggest concern that I had was the fact that um, first half, if you, if you remember the first half of that game, yeah. they had it to where they had all the time in the world on offense. The defense had been... The Bengals really struggled in regards to uh, getting to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. They had a hard time. Well, here's my thing. Now, they may win in the halftime, made adjustments, and that's the one thing I can say about the, the, the Bengals' uh, defensive scheme, the defensive coordinator, the defensive uh, staff. They made some great adjustments because at the end when they needed to make plays, they made those plays. They made them. They made them. So my thing is, is that they're go, they're going to be a second half team, mm-hmm. you know, a team that's going to be able to make the adjustments at halftime and and come out. And that's the biggest concern too. Now, when they're play, sitting here playing against the uh, the Rams, is that Rams got to be they got to be sexy on uh, on their on their scheme. They got to be they got to be clever. Mm-hmm. They got to disguise. They got to do all sorts of things. They got to throw them off the game. And they can't, you know, they. I know they're all watching film and all of that stuff on each other, but they got to they got to have some adjustments to where just get them off their game a little bit so they can make that one big play. That's the reason why I honestly feel I it would be I would be shocked. I'm be honest with you if uh, I think the ego coming out of the gate they may try to get Jalen Ramsey to go one on one. I I would be if they did that. I would be shocked if they did that. I'm be honest with you. Okay. Because the, 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 once they see that, I'm telling you, what's going to happen is that Jalen is going to do one of those stop and goes or a slant and go, and the next thing you know, because he, he can't keep up with this kid. Right. He can't keep. He can't keep up with. Him. So, like I said, man, it's going to be 
a chess game that I cannot wait to watch. You being one of the speakers at his memorial service, and uh, I really enjoyed everything that you had to say because it was one of these things where, uh, again, memorial services are a, a sad occasion by definition. That's why you're there. But everything that you had to say, uh, it always, it, to those of us who didn't know John Madden personally, it felt like it was certainly in his spirit because John Madden was somebody that always made you laugh. He always entertained the viewers and everything like that. And it was the perfect kind of lighthearted, I thought, summation, some of the great uh, stories. And uh, again, I feel like just in my personal opinion, if you had a growing the game Mount Rushmore, uh, I, I think it would be Ed Sable, Steve Sable, John Madden, Pete Rozelle. I, I think those four probably did the most to help take uh, football from, again, at the start of your career, it was still behind baseball in this country, but uh, somewhere probably in the 80s, it really, you know, kind of passed it by. And uh, I, I, I feel like those four well, had an awful lot to do no, with that's that. That's really good. No, um, I think you might just have to pick one Sable, even though, yeah, both were giants. Sure. But it was, um, what happened with the NFL was that um, it is a television sport. Mm -hmm. And that's what Pete Rozelle understood. And um, I think, look, I know you're probably, everybody was down on Art Modell, but, you know, he didn't have <laughs> the money that right. these billionaires all have. He didn't handle it well, probably, but, I mean, he he knew that, you know, just with that stadium, he couldn't carry it. But I think the, the reason that football passed was, you know, people got more impatient about baseball, and it seemed to be the same teams all the time. And in football, they set it up. It was the genius of, and also the genius of those early owners that Wellington Mara was willing to go in with the Packers, uh, that it wasn't just going to be Wellington Mara in New York and Hallis in uh, Chicago and Brown in Cleveland, that they all were going to share it. And that was really the genius of how they formed the NFL. But I think probably John Madden had more influence if he took his coaching his um, broadcasting and his game than anybody in the history of the NFL. Yeah, that's why I would put him on that short list because, as you say, it's multifaceted and uh, it's very amusing to me. I mean, there's a lot of millennials running around who probably know him prominently from the video game. And I think, uh, if, if I read correctly, I think that was something that he would joke about in later years of being predominantly known for that by, by younger people. And he had this incredible body of work uh, that had come previous to that. And uh, again, I, I felt like everything you had to say at the memorial service, uh, those, were, those were some great stories there. And just as somebody who's a friend of his, it, just it, it, any of the aspects of his that you feel like are underappreciated, not as well known as they should be, like what would you tell somebody to, to, port, to give more of a full figure of what they think they know of John Madden? What would you say? Uh, I'd say two things. And one of them is something Andy Reid said. Um, out at the Oakland Coliseum, uh, I'd say two things. One, I would say he was such a brilliant businessman that people didn't get at all. He was buying real estate in Arizona when he was a coach. He uh, became a billionaire off the Madden game, which he designed entirely with a guy named Trip Hawkins, who uh, got out of Harvard and he came to John. It was back when Pong, if anybody remembers Pong's that game in mm -hmm. a bar, but you could only see, like, Trip had only seven people on each side and John said no I'm not going to do it unless we figure out a way to really represent the game and they worked a long time at it and he was a genius businessman and but yet also uh and he lived at the Dakota you know where John Lennon lived in New York I mean he was really a savvy businessman but 
he also, and this was captured by Andy Reid. Andy Reid said that what he learned from John Madden was never lose your childish love of life. Mm -hmm. Well, I can see that. I can see that in him because that's the one thing, you know, and as somebody who didn't know John Madden, but from afar, I think that's one of the things that he seemed to sort of consistently ooze in many different ways here was a love of life. That's uh, for somebody to have said that to him, yeah, I, I can see that because I, I think to most people who who loved him from afar, didn't know him, uh, that would come as no surprise at all. That's a that's a great uh, you know confirmation of that from you. Yeah, he would stop. I mean, we'd be we'd be going through Utah on our way to a 49er game, and he'd see a little league game or something. We'd just stop, or he'd see like a carnival. I remember going out of El Paso once from a Cowboy game on up to, uh, I, I, maybe we were doing a game in L.A., and um, he would have the bus stop at a carnival, and he always was willing to be John Madden, which a lot of mega celebrities like that are not. You know, he didn't care if you were a cab driver or a king. He had time for you. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, and it was very interesting because when you were talking about at the memorial service, among other things, so your, your experiences of traveling with him, again, to be honest with you, that had never really occurred to me. I didn't really know if anybody else did, I, I knew that probably the majority of people who worked with him on broadcast were flying there and everything. So the fact that you got to, to do the Madden Cruiser, that's one of those things. And I, I'm sure this has occurred to you over a period of time that like that's one of those like peak experiences in life that probably so many people wish they could have. Like you got to live that out. You drove across the country in the Madden Cruiser with John Madden. And that in and of itself, I mean, you know, forget all the professional accomplishments and everything else you've done there. Just as far as like a thing that people would, would give their left arm to do, that's something you got to do. I'm sure you've reflected on that. Yeah, I guess because he was he was a teacher. That's yeah. what he he regarded himself. Um, I remember Rick Majerus once told me that the greatest thing anybody could ever call him was coach. Mm -hmm. And I think John Madden felt the same way. He 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 wanted you to learn, and he wanted to know about you. And he was he was up for any conversation, no matter where it went. And he enjoyed it, and he took his time. His great observer, like really like a Mark Twain, uh, he could look out the window and just see things, and it was a whole education, yeah. Actually, all those guys, people don't know that Pat Summerall yes. was a Russian major in college, and when he got out of school, he took, um, you know, this is what, the late 50s when mm -hmm. he got out of school, I guess, early 60s? No, late 50s. And he took the train from Vladivostok in eastern Russia all the way to Moscow. I mean, these people are really interesting, and I felt like it, it was such a laboratory for me of learning. 